You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Michael Garcia is the chief of Mission Economic Development. Again, the big announcement this week. Ubiquity inbound call center opening up, creating about 340-some-odd jobs for the area, for Mission and McAllen and Edinburgh. Lots of people going there to work here pretty soon. Uh, the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, yep. We have been, you know, a market where... For years now, yes, we've heard of lots of call centers setting up shop, taking care, taking advantage of the young population, bilingual population. Mm-hmm. It's customer service. You know, uh, it's a good place to set something like that. It's nice to see that. But let me, um, let me just get. I don't know how far you want to go into this, but yes. we had Roy Rodriguez, our city manager from McAllen, yes, sir, commented on this, and uh, we had Javier, our um, mayor from McAllen, Villalobos, comment on this. We were talking a little bit. We, we, I think we're like the only ones talking about this because. I know who the audience is here. It's the business community. It's people that are in the banks and land, you know, selling and all that. We were so looking forward to that $2 billion investment from that, you know, chip manufacturing, high-tech thing that would change the landscape of, mm-hmm. of manufacturing and business. And, well, something happened up in D.C. Ted Cruz might address this here in a few days. He was working all night in the Senate, so he's not going to join us today. But in essence... We got screwed by Washington because of a shift in policy. When it, I thought we were supposed to build all these chips here in this country. We passed like 50-some-odd billion dollars uh, up in D.C. To, to produce chips. And then, I don't know, this Italian manufacturer bolted because, well, Washington moved the goal again and I guess allowed some or components or something to be made. Oh, no, we're going to China anyway. And they pulled it like right there, man. The, it's like the pen was like for you guys on Facebook. The pen was like this close, this sign, and whoop, they took it by, and then screwed Oklahoma too because they had a, a big uh, like solar panel thing up in Oklahoma. That yeah. oh, let's all go to China. Let's all go to China. Happy New Chinese New Year. And uh, I know, just talking to some people in business and our family at EDC and McAllen and City Hall. Uh, this was a kick, not in the gut. This was a kick in the groin and in the teeth at the same time. They felt really bad. And guys, there will be, the Valley economy is growing by leaps and bounds and there will be better days ahead. But I'm so sorry that we missed out on that opportunity. We were so looking forward to that. Just want to get your thoughts because it's nice to get a call center and I would like to get more call centers. Yeah. But we'd like to get, um, an assembly line, maybe high tech yeah. to take advantage of the university and the colleges and the young professionals yeah. around here. No, I agree. We with can you. do that. I mean, no, we can. We can, and I, I think we're we're all striving to do that. Um, uh, you know, and even the call centers today uh, need uh, folks who are computer literate. Right? You can't just show yeah, up like in the, in, the, in the in the old days and just you know pick a phone. That's not your job. Like in one of the one of the uh, components of this call center is uh, they're taking the uh, calls. Um, let's say one of their clients handles uh, veterans' calls. And they put them in connection with a transportation company, schedule the ride to a hospital, right? And so they have, they have to be pretty agile to handle a lot of the requests and demands yeah. that are yeah. there. But you're right. Instead of 15 to 18, maybe we should be looking at at uh, at 36 to 42 dollars an hour, right, or more. Mm-hmm. We can we can get there. Um, we're not going to turn this one down, but um, and we're right into striving what for what these guys. Uh, where McCallum uh, was doing with this particular project, but that's this happens, right? I mean, this yeah. unfortunately this happens. Um, but there's there are more out there. Oh yeah, I mean, there's more. This is the future, no. like chip manufacturing, anything high tech, yeah. anything solar. It, that is 
the future I mean, it's, it's here now and maybe maybe an american firm or somebody look we're really close we almost close and well they're, they're european they're both the ones trying to find for america for the sake of america yeah i i think that um here in the rgv um we need to be more aware of our location and we need to leverage our location to land some of these projects right some of these projects are we're competing worldwide yeah right we're competing against Washington State or Florida or uh, Central South America or, or China. That makes it very tough. Um, and sometimes you do get pulled in the rug for, out from under, under us. But just think about this for a minute, Sergio. There's a, there's a uh, Tesla Gigafactory in Austin. Yeah. About five hours up, right? There's going to be another one about two and a half hours south of us yeah. in Monterrey. We're going to be between two Gigafactories, mm-hmm. right? And they're going to need hundreds, if not thousands, of engineers and scientists. How can we parlay that into success for us? What can we do with those two to create more jobs here? Do we need to work closer? Do we need to have more regular powwows? Mission EDC, Edinburgh, McAllen EDC, mm. Westlaco, the River yes. Valley Chamber, yes. Brownsville EDC, yes. Harlan. Have a, a meeting of the minds. Muchachos, we got Elon Musk down the street. Oh, we hear he's in town this week. Let's see if we can take this boy to lunch and just meet all of us yeah. and say, look, we know that rope is down. You went up to Rob's down to make that battery, battery stuff. Mm-hmm. But you know what? We can – how about we brainstorm – I don't know, maybe when it comes to some of these uh, raw materials, we, we set up a raw material processing center at the Port of Brownsville uh, to make it easier access for all the stuff that you're trying to develop. Uh, yeah. wh- how can we help you? you know, say, a, I don't know, set up a, a PayPal call center down there. Like, of all the different yeah. things that he has. Yeah, yeah. So if we got the young population. You have transformed this economy. You're a you know, hero. You know, we're going to build a 50-foot statue for you down here. But tell us, how, how can, what can we do at the state-of-the-art university, the colleges, a Texas A&M down here with a training center, all that stuff, um, I think it's time to lock arms as yeah. economic development. I, I think we're talking more than ever, but we need to do better. We do still need to do more. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you an example of where the communication is super key. The, the, the governor's office has a great economic development department. Works hand-in-hand with the governor, uh, Adriana Cruz. Um, Adriana Cruz uh, handles that, and she's a great uh, representative for the governor um, and does stuff worldwide. But she's very. She's from Laredo, and she really cares about South Texas. Um, so they um, they that office sends out to all EDCs around the state uh, projects that are looking for RFIs, requests for information, right? So I get one, Keith gets one, San Angelo gets one, El Paso, Dallas, Brazil. one in every community. Mm-hmm. They get the RFI from the government's office. Hey, this co- this company wants to build batteries. It's a $1 billion thing. Do you have 200 acres? Uh, you know, do you have 100? Or it could be smaller, too. Hey, this company wants to hire 100 people to recycle metal, and they, they need this. They need to be by a rail, or they need, you know, you know what I mean, all the requests for information. And, and so if you think you have what they want, you respond, right? But when they're asking for 1,000 employees or 500 uh, employees or they need 200 engineers, Mission can't respond to that on our own. Yeah, McAllen can't do it. We're all too small. McAllen has 150,000 people. But collectively, though, yes. which puts us in the yes. same, going back to one region, one voice from the Rio Grande Valley Partnership. Uh, Dan out there, uh, yes. 
I don't know, man. I just think we do need I, I would love to see. I think we would. I would. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people would love to see. Uh, I know people like Joaquin Spammer and a yep. bunch of other industrials would like to see a more of a collective mindset. Yes, We're saying, yes. let's add up all the numbers. This is this is how strong we are as a collective, pushing in one direction, and we can offer X amount of jobs, X amount of square footage, right. and, and and all that. So when those bids come out like that, and I look at it, or McCallum looks at it, or Brownsville looks at it, and they go, oh, well, they need a 1,000 people. We don't have it. And then just put it aside. No, no, we do no, have it. Yes, we do. We do have it. Yes, but we, we need to come together. And we can agree, hey, Brownsville, you know what? You're going to get this one. Yeah. The next time, McCallum will get it. Yeah. Uh, but, but we don't have that mass. And guess what? Those projects, they, they will go to Houston. And they will go yeah. to Dallas. And they will go elsewhere, man. So we do, you're, you're hitting on a really good point. Right. And us as EDC folks... We need to do better. I sure hope so. I hope we come together in yeah. 2024 because it's to the benefit of all our kids. Yeah. Um, good to see you again. Congratulations on Ubiquity, Ubiquity. Uh, call center. Yes. M- MissionEDC.com. Look for yeah. information. This is the Sergio Show. Jaw-dropping, impressive growth in the Texas economy. Well, we're doing something right around here. From the Texas Association of Business, Glenn Hammer. So what say you to recent reports of all these companies coming to Texas, a decade-long growth in Texas, and a culture, business culture, that likely will continue to favor us near future? So what do you say, Glenn? Everything is bigger and better in Texas. Yeah. You know, basically in terms of if you took a look, if there was a Super Bowl for jobs, we're winning it every single year. And what's also great to point out is that the future is bright in terms of our workforce. We now have more Gen Z people migrating to Texas than any other state. This is the workforce of the future. So we're winning today, and we're poised to win tomorrow. Gen Z, the youngest of the professionals, said, I don't know if uh, I want too many of those young ones, woke young ones around here. They're going to wind up changing the political culture. Oh, Lord, help us if that's the case. I I hope they love capitalism. I hope they love making money well, to protect the Texas well, culture. Th- I, I believe that they do. They're, they're moving here because of the job opportunities. And, and the great thing is that right now the Texas economy is probably the healthiest uh, on, on the planet. You know, we have more Fortune 500 companies than any other state. We have four of the ten largest cities. And I also love saying that it's easy to build stuff in Texas. Like, for example, we're not only the number one state for oil and natural gas. We're now number one in wind by far. And this year, we've become number one in solar deployment. So you can build stuff in, in Texas, and we've become the most attractive uh, place in the country for the next generation of talent. That's a good thing. From the Texas Association Business President, Glenn Hammer, anything that Texas lawmakers could, can do to grease the skids, make it easier for industries to uh, maybe incorporate in Texas, give Texas <laughs> <laughs> the first thought instead of a second thought, like, you know, Elon Musk right now having to uproot from Delaware, going to the Secretary of State's office and saying, you know what, I'm going to incorporate everything in Texas so that way I can get a big fat paycheck down here. So what do we do to oh, make things easier? It. Yeah. What do we do to make we, things easier we, for them? Well, we have to keep our low tax, low regulatory environment, and we have to continue to do uh, what we've been doing, and that's, you know, reducing property taxes. Last year, the Texas legislature reduced property taxes by $18 billion, more than any other state. So that's also going to be attractive to young people when you think about it. They have a low tax environment. They could they can build wealth, and we love what Elon Musk is doing. And he's, you know, Delaware's days of being the incorporation capital of America – they're, they're numbered 
incorporate in Texas. And one of the great things we did last year through a great group, Texans uh, for Lawsuit Reform, we've created specialized business courts in the state of Texas. So, you know, th- this is an economy that's doing very well. The legislature in a bipartisan fashion is doing what it needs to do to continue to invest in our infrastructure and reduce our tax burden even more. So, uh, you know, for the younger people that are coming to Texas, they're going to have a great uh, career and life in the, the greatest state in the union. What can we do at the university level, at the tech, technical college level, even the ISDs? To make sure that our young, yeah, right, young workforce is ready. Because I'd like to be the new Silicon Valley. I'd like for Texas to do that, you know. But we need the the skill set for that. Well, and 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 that's that's what's happening. And and I would say on the uh, high school level, let's invest more in uh, career technical education programs and dual enrollment programs, which the state is doing. We have fifty great community college systems in the state. And I would argue the best university system uh, in in the country as as well. And in fact, the legislature last year, again, a bipartisan basis, put $650 million new dollars into our community college system in exchange for an outcome-based model of of funding, a a model that's going to meet the needs of employers, whether they're SpaceX or in the energy industry or, or, or you name it. So we have to continue to invest, and here's the great news. We have a big surplus. We had a $33 billion surplus last time. California had a $33 billion deficit. Oh, so we're going to continue to be – yeah, yeah. 30, and, despite and all the, way, the COVID money that they got and, and all the high taxes right, they're charging? Oh, wow. Oh, yes, and here's the other – yeah, because people – don't want to be highly taxed. Young people don't want to be highly taxed. So they're fleeing California. Texas is the fastest growing state in the country, not just in terms of jobs, but in terms of humans. And the states like California, Illinois, and New York that are high tax, high regulatory, they're losing uh, people of all ages. I mean, those states from a policy perspective are going down the tubes. And states like Texas that are low tax uh, and investing in our infrastructure, whether it's in workforce or grid or, or broadband or water, are, are rising. So the future of Texas is, is super bright, and it's great that uh, the Gen Z generation is choosing Texas over any other state. Glenn Hammer, Texas Association of Business. If I can just keep you two more minutes, just real sure. quick. I, I want to overemphasize bold italics and the largest font that I that I can find for this. When something, when, when bad policy is announced in D.C., like Joe Biden poo-pooing LNG and saying, oh, no new export LNG project, blah, 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 blah. Um, I would love for your organization and sister organizations and your compadres to, to lock arms and make a lot of noise how bad and stupid and just bad for America, bad for Texas jobs, all that is. So, so voters know, so people Count us know, in. Right, and, and Count see us it. In. Yeah. yeah, it's a terrible. It's it's a, it's it's an, it's probably the worst decision of the administration to pause LNG. We have at least a hundred thousand jobs in Texas that rely on LNG. And by the way, LNG generally uh, displaces coal or dirtier produced gas from overseas. So what the Biden administration did, take it to the bank. They've increased global emissions while uh, killing Texas and American jobs. Uh, it is a, a terrible decision. It makes no sense. And I, I hope that Congress does everything possible to yeah. find good leverage points hey. 
to force the administration's hand. I'm glad you flagged that. It's a terrible decision. McAllen just lost an opportunity for a huge, two, like almost $2 billion chip manufacturing facility. I mean, the, the pen was about to sign the contract, and these Italian manufacturers, they bolted to China because we were told that the White House or somebody in trade up there changed the rules on that chip manufacturing legislation that was supposed to bring all these jobs to the U.S. They, they all bolted to China. I think, Glenn, I think it's worth you calling EDC and McAllen, asking the director what happened and make some noise about that because nobody's talking about this, and we do need to make noise about this because it hurt it hurt us big, big time. I, I, I yeah. will do that. Yeah. You had bipartisan groups supporting the, the CHIPS Act. We want to make those chips in, in the United I, States. Yeah. We want to make them in Texas. I I'll will follow up, Glenn, That's and I'll get you the information. Thank, Thank you, Glenn. Glenn Hammer, Texas, Texas Association of Business. This is The Sergio Show. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Jessica Villarreal with Concerned Veterans for America is my guest. Jessica, welcome back to the program. Now, the reason I'm bringing you on is because of, of uh, an honor that you recently received. We'll talk more about that, but give me an update on CVA. How are you guys doing here in the RGV with, with CVA? Hi, Sergio. Thank you for having me on the show. So yeah. down here in the RGV, we're just staying busy, uh, doing some action work, getting some phone calls in to talk about uh, the issues of veteran space. As you know, we're a veteran organization by veterans for veterans. Uh, and we are just letting the constituents know what we're doing here in the community. Okay. And right now our main priority is just getting our initiatives passed into law, which is the health care reform more than anything at this time, which affects all our veterans here in our community and all across the United States. You call us back for extended interviews and regular interviews in case you have like a special fundraiser, something like that, near future for CVA. We appreciate you advocating for our veterans. Well, the reason I called you back Thank to the program you. is uh, – uh, uh, an honor that has been bestowed on you and by extension fellow conservatives here in South Texas. Says you're one of very few people had to have received this fellowship. So tell me about that. Yes. So thank you uh, again. Yeah. So uh, I was very um, fortunate and I'm very much thankful to God first and foremost for this fellowship that I recently um, was privileged to be a partake in. So the club for growth foundation uh, and this is a unique opportunity for me more than anything because, like you mentioned, uh, I am the second person in the Rio Grande Valley to be afforded this opportunity and to have been selected. So it's a great privilege to bring our voices from the RGV to a national level and to bring recognition in this area and to give us a, a seat at the table. Um, so, again, the fellowship would really provide myself and movers and shakers from all over the country um, tools to talk and communicate more effectively about free society, economic liberty, and about um, limited government and, and 
and doing so increasing the number of pro-growth Americans who are willing and able to um, engage in public service in a variety of capacities, whether that's uh, uh, participating in the GOP, whether it's a federal um, service or state service. Those are some opportunities that will afford me and just giving me an access personally into our community as well. Um, people who are experts in their field in this field yesterday uh, we were privileged to have um, Dr. Paul Winfrey, one of the national leading conservative eco economists, um, speak to our fellow uh, and alumni, uh, which was exceptional conversation to listen into and to have Congressman Josh Russian from Oklahoma as well speak to us, um, who also is a fellow, who's an alumni actually, um, from the 2020 Foundation. But just a very great privilege to be able to um, partake in this opportunity which is a lifetime opportunity once in a lifetime yeah so i hear is did you seek this appointment this fellowship or was it bestowed on you by someone uh so i look to um our chairwoman current sitting chairwoman as a mentor in yeah. my career uh -huh. yes adrian uh and um i know that she was an alumni and it's something <clears throat> that she's partook in, and she's the other person from our area that has represented us. Um, and again, like she's our mentor, my mentor, excuse me, and uh, she encouraged me. I told her I was interested in doing it, and she encouraged me to do so. So it would be a great opportunity to try, and I was selected, yeah. uh, and she recommended me as well. How long is this appointment, this fellowship, and again, what do you see yourself doing during that period of time? Will it require travel, training? Um, what, do you th what do you see happening in your future? How long is this uh, appointment? Yes, so this fellowship is a one-year program. Uh, we do virtual and we do two in person. So I'll be traveling in May um, to Irving and then another in person where alumni are also welcome in September sometime to DC. Well, we'll put it all together. Uh, and this is communication skills, uh, teaching us how to effectively convey our message, uh, a winning message, and by using our impactful stories to convey the human cost uh, of the radical socialist agenda, essentially. Yeah. Um, but um, yes, it, it gives me this opportunity on a monthly basis to, to tap into these experts in their field um, to be able to get more knowledge and wisdom, because this is a program for education as well. And then they also provide vote studies, which for many who don't know what they do, they provide uh, scorecards, right, for voting for the legislators yeah. at the federal and the state level. Uh, 2018, they started doing the state level. Um, but so let's them know how their legislators are voting and if they're staying true to the to what we believe well, there you as go. conservatives. Yeah, that's another one of those um, um, candidate report cards available. Club for yes, growth yes. are the key words to put in there. Club for Growth. I know there was one friend I bumped into at church a few days back. I said, hey, sir. And they were asking for more of a local, you know, like at county level. I said, well, I don't know about county level, but I know that at state races and, and national races, representatives, state and, and Congress, yeah, they'll get their report cards and find out who truly is advocating for conservative ideas, reducing the size of government, right. advocating for, you know, reducing income taxes. Uh, reducing the role and scope of the government, regulatory reform, deregulation, school choice, all those things, the club for growth. Uh, that's what the words that you need to put in there. Um, 
what do you want folks to know about this assignment again over the next year and how can folks help you or maybe get more folks in the Valley participating in the Club for Growth? Uh, so for me, I know uh, what it means to me is, as you know, um, and many may not know or may know me, and, uh, I served. So this is an important uh, continuation of, of me continuously serving my uh, fellow brothers and sisters and patriots of America. Um, it's an important opportunity for me to take to the next level, and who knows, uh, you might see me in the next election cycle of potentially running for some sort of office. Um, so just be looking out, support Good. our our policies for Concerned Veterans for America, for the health, and just overall, um, if you have questions, go to the GOP. There's always somebody there. Um, reach out to us, reach out to me. I have a public page or you can reach out Jessica and Villarreal on uh, Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Instagram. You can find me on those three platforms if you want to have a conversation with me about um, this uh, program that I'm partaking in, the fellowship, and that they want to learn more as I go through. Again, yesterday was my second um, opportunity to partake in, in, in the Club for Growth Foundation. So it was a great experience just to hear the knowledge and wisdom of these professionals who, mm -hmm. who are uh, it's, um, one of the, the leading the nation for conservatives. It's a deep pool of, of experts and fellow conservatives, about a half million strong and growing, the Club for Growth. And Jessica Villarreal is, Jessica Villarreal is known for Concerned Veterans for America. She's still championing that cause on behalf of veterans, but now she's part of this conservative group, the Club for Growth. And we wish you the best, Jessica. Thank you for being on the front lines of Fighting for Liberty here in South Texas. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Sergio. This is The Sergio Show. Start your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's Morning News. Weekday morning starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day and special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, good morning, guys. Well, let's now enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's Morning News with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday morning starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. So welcome back to KURV. And it's been a while since I've I spoken with our, one of our station friends, Dr. Dalia Guerra from UTRGV College of Fine Arts. Dr. Guerra, welcome back. And let me start with um, an honor that we need to mention. I want the community, or at least this audience, all these people, working people, tuning in to, to know about Dr. Dalia Guerra for a generation now, yeah, 40 years, has been representing and teaching fine arts at what was UT Pan America, is now UT RGV. You know, the award-winning Mariachi Ensemble Program, uh, the annual literacy arts program, Festiva. Yeah, that's Dr. Guetta. But, you know, in Mexico, they even honored her recently. The Otli Award, one of the highest honors given to citizens living outside of Mexico, the Mexican consulate, McAllen, back, I believe, in September in a virtual cer ceremony, honored Dr. Guetta. My friend, it's an honor to speak with you again. Welcome back to the program, and congratulations. How are you? Yeah, thank you so much, Sergio, for all those kind words. Appreciate you very, very much. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, and uh, my goodness, thank you for that beautiful introduction. Yes, ma'am. 
So there's a, a special event around the corner that will be taking place at a beautiful location that Dr. Gelman uh, put together, that stained glass museum. So tell me about this latest in the Festiva series. Sure. Well, first of all, Festiva is a week-long celebration of the cultural arts, and we promote literacy throughout this Festiva week, which starts on February 23rd and runs all the way till uh, March 3rd. But we are presenting events across the valley, and so this Festiva is unique in that way. We have some events at different libraries across the valley, but we also have this amazing event at the Gelman. And if you haven't been to this Gelman stained glass museum, mm-hmm. you have to go. It's gorgeous. And it's just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And then to have, to be able to listen to these fabulous musicians who are going to be playing there, it's just such a treat, such a treat. It's the music uh, is enhanced by the building and the uh-huh. building is enhanced by the music. So it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful way to enjoy the building and, and this very interesting concert the concert is, is a trio. It's, it's a trio of musicians. It's a pianist. Okay. It's a saxophonist. And it's a violinist. And um, interesting program. It's called East Meets West because um, it, it's a fusion. It's a, it's, a, it's a way to showcase music from across the world and traditional music from, from the homeland of these musicians. Dr. Diana Seitz was playing violin. She was born in... In, in in Russia in a in and and the pianist was born she's from Eastern Turkmen and the so the saxophonist however is American mm-hmm. so uh, they fuse the different cultures and just bring to us a beautiful program of of music that will be we held be held at the Gelman the event is called East meets West the, exactly. these three are uh, their group is called Latitude. 39, it's a 39 degrees, or at latitude 39. And, of course, um, these three will be featured at the Gelman Stained Glass Museum. The performance will take place uh, February 27th at 6.30 p.m., and tickets are on sale now. Where do we get tickets for this, Dr. G? Um, well, the Festiva site, if you go on utrgv.edu uh, Festiva, you can click right on. Or you can even go to Show Pass at UTRGV. Or I know the San Juan Cultural Arts District, the downtown San Juan Cultural Arts District, they are actually um, presenting this event and very excited to be collaborating with them um, as they showcase their downtown as well during Festiva. And they have tickets at their site as well. Okay. And we have a coupon code, a coupon code where you can get $5 off, downtown San Juan. Uh, and and so, I, I I want to tell you just briefly why they're called Latitude Thirty Nine. Okay. Because they're from all over the world, they would rehearse in Kansas City, and it's kind of special because of what happened last night <laughs> in Kansas <laughs> okay. with Kansas City. Uh-huh. But they rehearse at at Latitude Thirty Nine, so they gave themselves that name. Okay. But um, we're really really looking forward to a great concert there at the Gelman Museum. For other dates related to the Festiva Festival website, so we can see the menu, what order do you recommend we go? My goodness, it's a whole week of activities. We're starting off on Friday evening, the 23rd, okay. at the Edinburgh Library. The Edinburgh, it's the Dustin Michael Sekula Memorial Library. And one of our strongest partners is the South Texas Literacy Coalition, because we give away 
thousands and thousands. You cannot imagine how many thousands of books we give away to, to children across the valley. And there will be a book distribution that evening as well as a showcase of our local authors. It's so fun because you'll go into the library and many of our local authors will be showcasing their own books and talking to children. We're presenting our, uh, we have an artist coming in called Jasmine Mendez, and she's a distinguished artist, um, and, and she'll be there that evening. But throughout the week, different events, let me mention a few. We have, something fun is, um, is, Going Varsity and Mariachi. This is a movie that really, a film that really hit it big. It showcases the Edinburgh North Mariachi program. Nice. And they're screening their movie. Yeah, we're screening their movie that run all, won all kinds of awards. We're screening it at the Student Union on Tuesday at 5.30. So that would be something fun if uh, if you haven't seen that film, nice. to have the opportunity to see it. Yeah. Writers and authors throughout the week, you have to get on this website just to get a feel for all of the for all of the different activities. There's the wind orchestra. Our symphonic wind is performing on Monday evening. And uh what else do we have here? So many things. At at I'm at most museum, at the Museum of South Texas History, another one of our wonderful partners, they have some presentations on Friday morning at 10 a.m. Interesting. Uh, history of the Underground Railroad. And then Dr. Garcia's Gold, another very interesting historical tale there at 2 p.m. at the museum on Friday. And, of course, I'm going to have to mention my favorite, which is the Mariachi Festival. <laughs> and that's it. That's at the end of the week. We have this big workshop. I've already got something like 500 kiddos registered for the workshop nice. on Friday. And we have a competition Friday evening, vocal competition, mariachi singers from across the valley, across Texas, actually. So come and join us at that vocal competition on uh, on Friday evening at 7 p.m. is the finals. And then on Saturday, we have another, this would be the ensemble competition, mariachi's incredible Incredible kiddos, Roma, Rio Grande City, um, Edinburgh, McAllen. All of these mariachis are coming to compete at our campus on Saturday morning at 9.30. Then we have a, a concert in the evening, 7 p.m., featuring Mariachi Los Camperos, fabulous group. And they are the workshop clinicians as well for, for all these kiddos that are coming to campus to study mariachi style and repertoire. And just a fabulous Mariachi Festival. It's the arts and literacy celebration called Festiva from our university, UTRGV. For the full schedule, just use a search engine. I, I went online real quick, and it'll mm -hmm. take you straight to the UTRGV, all the different links to the UTRGV Festiva page with the schedule uh, with all the different uh, performances starting on the 23rd, Friday the 23rd. Uh, Dr. Gary called me specifically for one of them that uh, relates back to our, our friends over at Gilman Stained Glass Museum. Uh, that one is on February 27th with Latitude 39, and that's a 6.30 p.m. performance. But there's a full schedule of Festiva performances, literature, and music. Again, do this, go to a search engine, put Festiva, F-E-S-T-I-B-A, -S -S Festiva, and you'll be able to find uh, the entire week-plus celebration, and beautiful expressions of art and music, here in South Texas at our university, UTRGV. By the way, uh, in order to purchase 
uh, tickets for that performance that we started a conversation on, on February 27th. Uh, you can go to, I believe it's the San Juan uh, website. It's downtownsanjuan.org, by the way. Uh, Dr. G, thank you so much for joining us today. Final word, and if I forgot something uh, you need to mention. Uh, just to invite the community out. There's so many wonderful events, and uh, I am just delighted that we have so many wonderful partners, that Festiva partners with uh, with the South Texas Literacy Coalition, with, with Literacy Texas, with with the Texas Book Festival, one thing I didn't mention is that we send authors out to six public schools. Every child in that school receives a reading by the author and a book by that author. Nice. So it's, a, it's just a week-long, incredible celebration. Come to the Gelman. Come to the Gelman and enjoy this concert yeah. on, on on Tuesday evening. On the 27th, it, you, yeah. You just enjoy it so much. Festiva, the, the cultural, the, the arts and literacy festival for UTRGV Festiva begins on Friday the on Friday, February 23rd, and do the search online to get the full menu from the university. Thank you, Dr. G. We'll speak soon. Thank you. Thank you for having me sit here. Yes, ma'am. From UTRGV Fine Arts, Dr. Dalia Geve. This is The Sergio Show. News Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. We mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news. On News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Watching the U.S. border, not only here in the Southwest, but also, hey, up there in the North, Tanya J. Powers for Fox News in New York, looking at some reports out of D.C. and some conversations regarding that northern border. So what do you see? What do you hear, T? Hey, well, good morning. The, there was a, there's been a lot of talk about this in the last few days, and it's interesting when you take a look at the numbers. I mean, the numbers that have kind of made headlines um, of the you know influx of uh, migrants coming through the northern border with Canada, uh, the Customs and Border Protection folks say there was a 241% spike in the number of migrants crossing the northern border in the fiscal year 2023 that is compared to the year before. Now, this is important because you hear the 241% and that's, yeah. you know, that's obviously a big jump. Um, it is important to get a handle on what number that is. Um, the CBP's chief patrol agent, Robert Garcia, had posted on, on X uh, a few days ago that more than 3,100 people have been apprehended since October. Um, that is more than the total of the, pa- the past four fiscal years combined. Now, well, as you know, that is a drop in the bucket compared to, you know, the, the situation at the southern border, which is kind of, you know, the contrast is what sort of what I'm trying to zero in on yeah, here. No, that um, used to be our you know, daily number, T. At one point, uh, that exactly, used to be a daily yeah, high watermark exactly. uh, sometime back. Yeah, 3,100. Yeah. Yeah, and the, and the other interesting part of this is um, while, you know, most of the stories and the, the information that we're getting out of the, the southern border, you know, are people coming from Central America, 
Um, that has, you know, sort of been the, the thing that we've heard the most about. I think this story is interesting, and, and I'm, I'm pointing back to, there was a piece in the New York Times that really lays this out uh, from a, like two or three days ago. Um, and that is where, and some of these numbers, you know, which the Customs and Border Protection, you know, these they, they quote the same numbers that everybody else has, has been, you know, uh, having. Um, they say that these people, and this is according to Robert Garcia, the chief, uh, the, BB, the CBP chief control, Chief Patrol Agent. That's harder to say than one would think. Um, of that 3,100 that crossed, um, that have been apprehended since October, they're from 55 countries. Oh man, this is this is not oh, just, wow. and, and this is one of the one of the things that was reported was that many of the people who are coming across the northern border, uh, some of them are from Mexico. They are able to afford one-way tickets to Toronto or Montreal, and then they make their way south to like the border towns. Uh, the main place that, that are the crossings are happening are seventy uh, percent of those are happening along upstate New York, Vermont, and New Hampshire. Um, but it's not just people from Central America or Mexico. They have been coming from Mexico, Indi- India, uh, Venezuela. I mean, there's there's other places like mm-hmm. I said, fifty five countries. So I think that that's part of that may get lost in some of this. I just found that an interesting fact that, you know, with all of the, the folks who are coming through the southern border and all the focus that's been on that, this is one of those things. And it's not like nobody's been paying attention. If you Google this, there are stories um, from several months ago where they're talking about the fact that this is this is a, a like a growing thing. Um, you know, it's it, there. The border there is you know, as this, the, the photos that went along with this New York Times story really kind of tell the story as far as like what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most of the photos that we're used to seeing from, you know, like down your way have like barbed wire and some kind of, you know, some kind of fencing or, you know, something. Yes. Um, in the, on the, along the northern border, there's usually, in some places, there's nothing but just like a concrete, like a marker that sticks up out of the ground that just yeah. says United this States. This is Canada. Are. This is the and, U.S. <laughs> One of those uh, right, scenarios. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 10 4. Yeah. Uh, Tiny yeah. J. Powers joining us from Fox News. Uh, and let me just put a little a sidebar mention because, you know, when you have a smaller number and you have a, a big increase, boy, that really inflates the percentage. 500% increase in, in Chinese 500% increase in Chinese nationals on the southwest border we're up to 39,000 40,000 already that's just another interesting sidebar to this uh, all, all this as far as Canada they have very lax uh, migration or inbound rules like no re- requirement no visa yeah. requirement from Mexico one shot one way shot to to Canada and uh, yeah that's been the case forever are you hearing any reports of of Canada uh, maybe moving toward, uh, you know, toughening those visa requirements, inbound flights from Mexico, things like that. That's a, that's a whole different question. I'm not yeah. sure, to be really honest with you. I don't yeah. know. Um, yeah. I think that's that's going to be interesting because that, that requires Canada to do, you know, yeah. a whole lot more um, than what they've clearly, you know, set out as their standard to, to handle it. But and, and I'll just point out, <laughs> this time of year, this is dangerous. Oh, yeah. I mean, very it's very, very nasty cold. Like they, northern they, they even front. gave the numbers of people who have, have died. There was a, a pregnant woman, I think, in December who died trying to come across the border. Oh, my goodness. It is just so cold, yeah. and the, the temperatures are just frigid. So it's, you know, it's it's, it's really cold. It's, it's pretty dangerous. Yeah, they die down here, T, when we have uh, mm-hmm. below freezing weather oh, yeah. for two, three days after a nasty cold front in ranch land in Texas. Yeah, I can just imagine how bad it is up the Canadian border. Thank you, T, for the report. Tanya J. Powers for Fox News. This is The Sergio Show.